The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. It's often the case with this particular gospel reading that as we reflect upon it, the reflection turns to a defense of Martha. And that's dangerous. Because clearly the Holy Spirit has given us this incident in the gospel for a reason. And our tendency to look at the busyness that afflicts our own lives and find ways of justifying how we remain busy at the price of our peace and the price of engaging the gospel is a dangerous trap. It points out how difficult our hearts can be when confronted with truths that are inconvenient. And so we do well to pay attention to how this story unfolds. This is not the Lord saying the work of the house has no value. This is not the Lord saying ignore your basic responsibilities. But it is a gospel which says those things have a real limit, and we need to pay attention to that. So note how the Holy Spirit expresses it. Martha, we hear, is burdened with much serving. And it begs the question of just who it is that's burdened Martha. Jesus didn't ask her to do all that serving. So what is it about the serving that burdens her? And what a powerful question that is when we look at our own lives and that experience of being burdened, of being preoccupied, of being worried. And sometimes we get so frustrated by the burden we carry, we don't even ask the question of, how did it get on my back in the first place? Who put it there? Because often we're the ones who overextend ourselves. Often we're the ones who need to be in complete control of everything and to guide all outcomes to a satisfying conclusion. Often it's the matter of, I need to do it right because I'm the only one who can get it right. Martha is not just busy with much serving. We hear she is burdened by it. And so there's something about what she's doing that is oppressive. To feel burdened 
is to feel put upon. To feel burdened is to feel laden with something I'm not free to let go of. Or I would. To be burdened is to struggle under the weight of something. If I'm carrying something light that I barely feel, it's not a burden. So note the use of that word. She is burdened by the serving. And in her being burdened, two things happen. One, she feels alone. And she feels abandoned. And in a sense, she feels a certain resentment toward Mary, who freely sits down to listen to the Lord. And for whatever reason, Martha doesn't feel free to be able to do that because she's burdened. And so she turns to the Lord and she prays a very curious prayer. She's asking him to do something. And it's not, Lord, ease my burden. It's not, Lord, set me free from my burden. It's, Lord, make her share my burden. You make her help me. Note how now the burden becomes all-consuming. It wants to gather others under its weight. It's not, Lord, when can I get a break? She's not even asking for a break. She's asking for someone else to be caught up in what she's doing. In the same way, when we feel frustrated and afflicted, or those around us feel frustrated and afflicted, isn't it remarkable how easily everybody gets caught up in the frustration? Everybody gets caught up in the affliction my crisis becomes the crisis for everybody. Without our ever asking the question of do we need to have the crisis in the first place? Because when we're spinning our wheels and we're going nowhere, we have that curious tendency to think if I just step on the gas pedal a little harder and the wheels spin faster, maybe I'll go somewhere. And I don't. Lord, tell her to help me. Martha can't even see how lost she is in this. Here's the Lord in her house. And she's so busy with what burdens her, she has no time for him. And so note how the Lord then turns to her and says, and you have to love the double use of the name. You know, we, we hear the Lord calling us, calls us by name, and note that he does it twice here. Martha. Martha. Notice how everything slows down when he does that. It's not a sharp statement, but that double speaking of her name slows everything down. It's not Martha where she's going to say, oh my God, I need to do something else. He says the first calling of her name, 
to get her attention. But now that he has some of her attention, he calls her name again because she's lost herself. And the first thing he's going to do is give her back to herself. Your life is not these details. You're in there someplace. And you need to attend to that. And so note, he says, you are preoccupied by many things. You're distracted, you're worried, you're upset. You're trying to take care of everything, all the things, all the time. And Jesus, you could hear the compassion in the voice of Jesus as he says that. He doesn't yell at her, but very gently he does criticize. He points out the mistake. And so what does he say? But of all the things you're worried about, you missed the only thing that's important. You think all of these other things are required. You think all of these things that dominate your attention are necessary. But there's only one truly necessary thing, and you're missing it. I'm sitting right here, in your house, at your table. And even as you're putting food in front of me and doing all these other things, the one thing you haven't done is meet me. It's time to stop. It's time to sit down. I'm here. I'm not on the way. I'm here. And if we're honest with ourselves and about ourselves, one of the most common struggles to grow spiritually is the fact that this spirit of Martha invades our prayerfulness all the time. You know, that experience of I have 10 minutes, I'm going to sit down and pray. And about 30 seconds in, I'm composing the grocery list. About 30 seconds in, I'm, med I'm remembering something else I need to get around to doing. I'm already planning what happens after I say amen. On the one hand, here I am sitting before the Lord. Yet on the other hand, I'm moving spiritually as if he's not there. And to the extent that I speak to him, it's, Lord, help me with my project. But he's there. Notice how easily that goes. We're preoccupied about many things. You know, I'm not going to ask anybody to disclose the number. I never ask, you know, I, I mentioned this to the priest too, and I don't ask them. How many times does your mind wander in the context of Mass? It... It's amazing. It's amazing. We can receive the Lord in Holy Communion and forget about Him before we get back to our chairs. We never talk about it, but it's true. And again, it's true for all of us. Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. 
Only one thing's required. Have a seat. I'm right here. Have a seat. Sit with me a few minutes. That's what's required. That's the one necessary thing. Jesus is not saying all of that other stuff has no value. But I'm here now, he says. So be with me now. Be with me now. Mary has the holy freedom of recognizing he's here now. Which means I need to be with him. Note the difference, the difference in the attitude. Jesus is not saying never work. Jesus is not saying be lazy. But the Lord is very definitely saying, if I'm here, be with me. Be with me. What a lesson we just need to keep learning. And how good it is that it comes around at least once a year at our readings during the week. You know, on a work day, on a day where we do so many other things, to have the Lord remind us, you know, when we hear go in peace, it doesn't mean run as fast as you can to your car. It doesn't mean hit 50 as you're pulling out of the parking lot. You know, it, to hear the Lord speak this way, it, it reminds us that the point of coming to Mass is not to get in and get out. Because someone's here. And he's here for us. And we can meet him. And whatever else I got going on in the day could be wonderful. But it's not as good as this. It's not as good as this. It's one of the reasons why the saint whose memory we celebrate today, Francis, has such a peculiar hold on Catholic and the broader imagination. Francis is one of those saints, one of those figures who's popular beyond the Catholic Church. Non-Catholics, many non-Christians even, have great admiration for Francis. But it's often a romanticized admiration. He's the, he's the saint of the birdbath, the saint of the garden, the happy, nature-loving saint. And we forget that this is a man whose very life turned on that there is only one thing necessary of Jesus Christ. And that in coming to feel the presence of Christ calling to him in his heart and in his life, he radically, with, if we truly pause and look at it, a breathtaking, even frightening intensity, laid everything aside. All of those things that should have preoccupied him according to the world and the family in which he lived, he laid them all aside for the one necessary thing, which was being with Christ. The young man, the wealthy young man who strips off his clothing and and puts on rags. And a cause of scandal, people think he's absolutely mad in doing so. 
who walks among the poor as one of the poor, not as a tourist, not as a visitor who goes out and gives charity but then goes home to the comfortable house. He lived in greater poverty and need than many of those he served, who was gifted with that very difficult grace of the stigmata, the wounds of Christ in his hands, his feet, and his side. And it hurt him. Every day he felt the sting of the pain of those wounds. And yet within all of that is this remarkable joyfulness that characterizes him. It's the joyfulness that Mary prefigures in our gospel story. He's found the one necessary thing. And I'm choosing the better part. I'm choosing the best part. And no one's taken it from me. What a remarkably powerful example he really is when we, when we strip away the romance and meet the man, he's more, even more impressive, much more compelling. There's a sharp and an even dangerous edge about Francis. It's not the edge of one who is violent, but the edge of one who's going to let nothing come between him and his Lord. And how beautiful it is that just as Jesus laid aside his wealth and his glory to clothe himself with our poverty and weakness, note how Francis begins. He literally lays aside the garments of his wealth. He literally lays aside his inheritance. He literally lays aside all of those things, making himself less in the eyes of everyone so that he can be great in the eyes of Jesus Christ and so that he could spend his life not advancing himself in worldly terms, but enriching others with compassion and grace and goodness. But only one who knew how first to sit at the feet of Christ like Mary in this story could serve like that. And note what he shows us. It's not a choice between serving and sitting. It's a choice of the sitting that makes the real serving possible. Because sooner or later, Jesus will end his visit, and Mary's going to have to get up, and Martha too. But having been with him, they will move into a serving and a service that is not burdensome, but a cause of joy, that is not unfocused and dominated by worldly preoccupations, but that is animated by and enriched by the gospel and the guidance and the love of Christ himself. Just like here, we show up here, and we do a lot of sitting here, especially when the preacher goes long. We do a lot of sitting here. And then we get up, and we literally come to him. And when we come down the aisle to receive him in Holy Communion, He's here to serve us. It's not the other way around. Note how remarkable that is. 
we come forward not to give at that moment, but to receive. To receive Him. Martha was so busy serving, she never received her visitor. And the Lord is saying, receive me. Don't just serve me. Receive me, because serving me begins with receiving me. And then what do we do? After that brief moment of activity where we receive him, we go back to our places, we sit again, but with him. Think of Mary at that moment. Because at that moment, each and every one of you has the better part, the very best part. Jesus isn't going to take it away from you. Don't let anything else. Don't let anything else. Those moments, those moments after we receive Holy Communion, it's one of the reasons we are not in a hurry here at that part so that everybody has the opportunity, actually including the priest who's distributing Holy Communion, to meet and receive the Lord who comes to us. At the end of Mass, we get up and we go. That happens. And life and all of its busyness is still waiting out there. It doesn't go away because we came here. But note the difference. Those who know how to sit at his feet, choose and rest, even for a few minutes in the better part, go out different. The world doesn't change, but we can. When we speak of the Lord making a difference, that's the way it really begins. It's not take the issues away out there. It's change me so that those issues are not so alive in here. Then I can go and I can meet these other things. Because I know whatever meets me, I'm also aware of what the one truly necessary thing is. And thank the Lord for examples like Francis, who live it with a power and a freedom that most of us are not going to get to on this side of eternity. But this great example of a truly heroic faithfulness points out to us that it's also, it's not so impossible as the world would tell us. It's not so impossible as our worries tell us. And if he can do such great things, maybe I can do a little more. Maybe I can do a small thing. If he can rest so powerfully in the presence of Christ, maybe I can rest a little. And that little is a really good beginning. Because out of small beginnings, the Lord works his greatest miracles and gives us his greatest goodness. Would then that all of us today recommit ourselves to choosing that better part of which the Lord speaks. And if as you receive him, you hear him calling your name a couple times, that's okay. It means he's in the process of giving you back to yourself. And what a great gift that is. Amen.